Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Carol Francis on Life Happen. We have Deegan Fox going to walk us through mystery, science, engineering, riddle. Just wait to be intrigued. The only problem with this presentation is that you can't have a hands-on experience of this art, but hopefully you will be able to soon, very, very soon. Deegan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it being here. Uh, we're looking forward to it. You know, we spend a lot of time on this program talking to mystery writers or people who are professionals or, uh, you know, trying to enlighten people as to how to live more effectively. But I find that in addition to all of it, being able to have mystery in your life where you have this sense of intrigue, this sense of curiosity, this wish to solve something, it's not necessarily relevant to the the issues of life that is relevant just to the experience of discovery. And that's what your artwork did to me when we discovered you in Montana. So I could barely wait to find out who you are inside that you want your your viewers, your readers to experience this intrigue. So what, what do you want them, when they walk into your display, what do you want them to feel um, curiosity. Curiosity is one of the biggest things that um, I enjoy working with. It's, uh, uh, I think I mentioned uh, somewhere in, in one of my uh, statements that I wrote up that um, uh, a big part of what I want is I want people to um, look deeper. I want them to, to try a little harder instead of just walking by the art and looking at it and going, oh, yeah, look, that's art, and, and this is kind of what I get out of it, or I like it or I don't like it, and they move on to the next piece. I want them to be drawn in a little bit further than that. And I, so I like to hide things in, in my work. I like to hide uh, another layer or uh, something to notice if you're really paying attention to it uh, because I, I want there to be something there for you to find, to, to pull people in and to reward them for for taking that extra time to think about it a little bit harder and look a little bit closer. Uh, and um, I think the way I like putting it is that I want people to to be curious, uh, not because I tell them to, but because they're they're compelled to it. I want I want the, the curiosity to push them instead of feeling like they need to do it. I want them to uh, need to do it for me, rather, uh, but need to do it for themselves, just uh, because that, that curiosity is something that drives me so much. It's why I chose riddles. Um, I've always enjoyed hearing them, and I've looked for them wherever I could find them uh, because they made me curious. They were The way they were written, the way they were worded, the way the solutions work, I always found it very fascinating, and I wanted to share that, that feeling with people. And I've actually made uh, quite a few people rather annoyed with me because I'll never tell them the answer. And <laughs> it, it, well, it's gotten to the point where uh, anymore I, I see a lot, well, you know, you ask you ask the riddle or you ask the question, and they give up immediately, or or just um, oh, the, the standard response is oh, I don't know, tell me, and no, <laughs> that 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 takes the fun out of it because um, I half the point of of figuring it out or half the point of of uh, understanding the riddle is is once you arrive upon that solution and and 
you, that light goes off in the back of your mind where everything suddenly becomes clear, it's a very rewarding feeling. And by telling anybody the answer, I'm robbing them of that, of, of the opportunity to experience that. Um, I've gotten... Uh, I, my annoyance isn't that people tell, won't tell me; it's that they do uh, before I'm, I'm done taking my. Because I'm I'm not always the fastest at it, but I take my time. And if somebody uh, tells me the answer before I'm done, then I, I feel like I lost something. I I didn't get to finish the race, you know. Absolutely. And that's that's what I want to share with people. So I I I, I refuse to take that away from them. <laughs> we walked away. After we were only going to take an hour in the museum, we walked away after three hours, only needing to leave because we had to catch a plane. And we must have discussed it for hours, wondering what this, that, and the other was. It was such an amazingly wonderful experience to to be in that state of curiosity and wonderment and trying to decode and, and take the puzzle. So when we finally received one of your decoders, a beautifully... Uh, I don't know, is it etched in gray? I don't know what this book is. A beautiful book that you created, one among 25, I recall, or 26. Uh, 25. It's like, okay, we, okay we, have, we have one of the 25 books that might be able to reveal information to us. And it sits in a prime location where we pass every day, and we look at it like, okay, now what is the resolution to this mystery? And that's what you have created in that sense of, wow, what is this? And that is a wonderful, wonderful feeling to just have kind of nag at you. Um, but our listeners have no clue what we're talking about in terms of the one particular amazing art display that you had exhibited. Tell us, I mean, I could describe my experience of it, and I will, but tell us your your visual description for a radio audience as to what they would feel and see and ponder as they would walk into the the, the exhibit that I did. Well, um, I, I guess I can go through it the way that I, I uh, ended up coming upon it myself when I when I started thinking it up. Um, I originally I wanted to do I liked the idea of uh, making a book out of uh, metal, and then I got to thinking more about it. Well, why make a book out of metal? Well, because it lasts. Well, steel doesn't really last all that well, um, all things considered. So I started considering other options. So I made it, started thinking about making it out of bronze, and uh, there's actually a special steel you can buy now called Corten that, uh, that's mixed with uh, copper so that it, it gets that surface rust on it, that surface patina, but it doesn't actually fall apart like steel does. It rusts like copper. And uh, then, well, then I got to use like copper pages. You know, they found they find bronzes on the bottom of the Mediterranean that you can still uh, get a lot of the feeling for, and they've been down there for a century or more. Uh, so I wanted to use something that would really last. I wanted something to leave behind. And well, what will I put in it? Well, I want to put in it something that I don't see very often. I mean, I'm searching for riddles all the time, so I wanted to put those in there. And well, how am I going to present this? Well, I can't. I could just put it on a pedestal and let people look at it. Well, people mm-hmm. don't engage in, with the art very well. Uh, it's usually kind of a taboo. Well, don't don't touch the art. Just just stare at it. So mm-hmm. I built this uh, to think about how would I present it so that it stood on its own and really had a presence. What I ended up building and constructing around. Uh, this book, which was the focus of this whole project, 
of this this preservation. That's why I called it legacy. I know it's a term that gets used a lot, but you know, uh, everybody kind of wants one, something to leave behind. You know, that's that's your only immortality is memory. And it isn't really even about me. It doesn't. They don't even remember me. I just want them the one thing that I left behind, and I'm just comfortable knowing that it's going to stay for a while. And because uh, it, it was important to me that I, that that these the, the riddles stay. I mean, um, you know, they got to be hard to find. I mean, I asked everybody I knew, "Well, do you know any riddles? Do you know?" And and most people don't remember anything past the. Uh, 101 joke book one-liners, which are which are amusing and fun, but they're not quite <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Uh, so, I built this, this. I built the cage to put it in. And as you walk into the gallery, I sorry, I went went to your question a little bit roundabout, but it gives you a little well, you bit know, of my but, thought process. But, but Deegan, I'm just going. I know that, but that's what. So I was so excited about the interview with you because when you see a piece of artwork. You, you, if you're thinking, you know that there's this artist behind it who had this complex set of experiences, uh, rationale, thoughts, plans, uh, mishaps, uh, and finally that aha, okay, this is going to do. And you're giving us a little bit of that clue that you went into the material aspect of it. And then well, how, how do we make people really engage with us? That it, you want people to engage. That's one of your... Processes. Okay, so now walk us into the gallery. <laughs> okay, no worries, no worries. So, um, so then when you when you come into the gallery, uh, I wanted it lowly lit because, uh, you know, I hate to get get too much into the metaphor of light and 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 so forth because it's it gets explored a lot and uh, it's a useful tool to to add, um, uh, what what do you call it? emphasis where you want people to look. I mean, that's why you have special lighting in the gallery in the first place, is for emphasis. So I wanted it relatively low lit um, so that the the books on the, along both walls as you come in, that line the walls and the pages are, are lit on their own, but by pulling down the ambient light, it makes them um, glow almost. The light is, yeah. is there in front of you, but it isn't necessarily all around you. And then in... Down the hall, in the middle of the room, stands the cage, and it's. Uh, I did. I made that one out of steel, um, fabricated and forged, and I used rivets over most of it. There's actually no visible welding on the outside of this thing, um, and it stands uh, six foot high and three feet across in the middle of the room, and there's a light that hangs from the ceiling that hangs down just inside the cage, so that it illuminates the illuminates the copper book underneath it, and the light bounces off the copper and bronze, and that, uh, it, copper and bronze has that quality of light where it kind of glows on its own when light hits it, uh, but steel doesn't necessarily do that unless you really, really shine it and, and polish it. Uh, and, I, and I didn't polish the cage. It has some shine to it. I waxed it, you know, so it's got some, some gleam and some presence of its own, but it falls away to the, the light bouncing off the copper and bronze of the book uh, inside it. And so it's internally lit, not just by the light itself, but the book itself uh, shines forth its light into the gallery. And this the cage, I mean, three feet wide doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you put a three-foot cylinder into a room, 
I've actually had a lot of trouble placing this thing, uh, you know, in, in my own apartment, in my house, and, and here and there, because it it just dominates the room. You you can't walk around it without several feet of clearance because you feel like it's looming over you. So it has a real presence of its own. Mm-hmm. And in order to show people at the original gallery, at the, at the first showing of, of this piece, um, uh, I scheduled myself a time uh, about halfway into the into the opening, into the reception, uh, to come out and open it myself, to show that it opened and show that it could be done. And before I came out, nobody really played with the book. They never touched the cage. I mean, that's sort of the, the artistic taboo. You don't touch the art. And I came out, and, and the purpose of building the whole cage was so that if people were too scared to touch the book, that the cage would be there and it would be engaging and have its have its presence. Well, I opened it in front of them to show that it, that it was a puzzle, that it did work. And before I had walked three steps away from it after closing it again, people were reaching in and flipping pages and spinning the cage and trying to open it back up again. And it, once I had broken that barrier to show them that this is the point, this is what you're supposed to do, they were all over it. They were engaged. They were trying uh, to understand it. And so in that in that same gallery with the walls lined with with uh the hand bound uh leather covered books and book doesn't really even cover it to me i mean i think of them more as as tomes because yeah, books nowadays uh, are usually even a, a good hard cover is you know inch inch and a half thick um uh, what is it like 6 by 9 or so uh my books are full 2 inches a uh, little over 2 in, 2 inches thick uh, they're ten inches tall and eight or nine inches wide. They're they're huge. They they're great commanding volumes, uh, which is sort of what I what I intended. And so the the walls are lined with these, and and all the pages from the books are put up all around the walls, um, so that uh, you don't have to just look and hover over each other's shoulders to look inside the books. The books are put all over the wall. Uh, so that all people can come and stare at them together and work them out together and see all of the pages, different pages, the same pages at the same time to uh, help maximize uh, people's ability to enjoy it. And through all this, the light is all only focused. There's there's very little ambient light. It's all focused on the pages, the books, and most importantly, the master copy. Uh, inside the cage, because that master copy is is uh, part of the idea of that book. I, I was talking about uh, the legacy and making sure something lasted. Well, I didn't just write on the copper so that the copper would stay. I uh, etched into the copper backwards to use the pages as uh, printing plates, mm-hmm. so that the book was not only going to be long-lasting on its own, but self-replicating. Even long after I'm gone, if all of my my paper copies are lost, as long as the master copy survives somewhere, it can be reprinted. It can be remade as many times as it needs to be, Uh, which is why I put it in the cage as a puzzle uh, specifically because I didn't want... A key can be lost just as easily as as anything else. The combination, however, is, is a riddle. It can be figured out. It, it's harder to lose. 
and mm-hmm. because it can always be found again. And I wanted the people who would appreciate what I was trying to do, who would be curious by what I have done, to be the ones uh, to get it back. I mean, mm-hmm. that that seems like a, a kind of the ultimate reward to me. I mean, it'd be even better than guessing just one or two riddles is uh, being rewarded with all of them. Hmm. Um, I think I answered your question there. I kind of oh, got a little off track again. So here we are. We're walking on the upstairs of this uh, really uh, wonderful museum in Montana. What was this? It was Great Falls, Montana. And yeah, you, that's, we're that's not where it was when you were here. We were not expecting to find amazing finds, but downstairs the displays were really intriguing and different and beautiful and artistic. And so by the times we had gone upstairs and the surrounding itself, is, it has this, um, not medieval, it's, but it's, I don't know, it just is a, I, I don't know how you would describe it, you perhaps have the words for it. And at the very end of the hall, from our point of view, there's this illuminated cave that has these oranges and browns and this very rich kind of eerie feel to it. I'm just spellbound by the cage because the cage is both formidably saying, stay away, I'm protecting something, and is also saying, wouldn't you like to come see what I have in here? <laughs> so it's like, it's this, uh, uh, it's this twist of experience. And then along, then you notice, I notice the, these books, and I'm an avid reader, and I love to crawl into the minds of an author, and I write as well. So I know the mysteries that are present inside of a closed book. And once you read the book, the mysteries reveal themselves. So I've seen and these books just kind of pop out, almost compelling you to say, inside these books are such mysteries and explanations to be discovered. Then you realize that the books are so artistically put together with such uniqueness and handcrafting. And you, the curator finally came up and said, you are allowed to touch the display. And my sons and I looked at each other and said, okay. <laughs> That's when... People are still nervous. There's even, there was even a little sign <laughs> sitting next to it that says, please please interact with the cage. Please, uh, it's a puzzle. Try to open it. And I even yeah. offered a, uh, a prize to people. Uh, I was, going, I was yeah. giving them free prints <laughs> off the wall for people to figure it out. And they, a lot of times they still need that, that little extra push, you know, um, to, to interact with it because they're, they're kind of scared of that. And I understand that. I mean, if I walk in and, and see paintings and... and I've seen somebody try to touch a painting before, and I just about come unglued. Um, but <laughs> and who knows, the artist may want you to do that. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's about you know intent of the artist has a lot to do with it. So I am kind of overcoming a lot there for everybody. Mm-hmm. An, an understandable response that you're kind of scared to touch the touch the work. Um, well, the, the next step of this was that I, um, my sons and I, are very science oriented. They're, uh, they're engineers and they're computer scientists, and uh, I come from a nuclear physicist family from Los Alamos Laboratories. So to suddenly be given a, a, an intriguing puzzle that we can apply all our engineering knowledge to, and then to realize that we have to solve riddles, we have to crawl inside your mind, which is very fun, because now you go to a museum to crawl inside of an artist's mind, so to speak, and inside your own emotional experience, and here you're inviting, saying, open this up and reach into this amazingly illuminated, uh, uh, copperish appearing book. Um, so you talk about how these materials will last and 
this is your legacy. And I did not even experience that part of it until I started reading about you and about it. But you wanted material that would last. But to me, the lasting experience was a puzzle to solve that's complex, doable, multifaceted, and, and, and creates a sense of beauty. Um, beauty not, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just a kind of sense of uh, aha, an emotional reverie. It is, I think you've combined engineering science and literary and riddle and mystery and the human spirit in your artwork to an elevated degree, and I hope many people discover this. Did, did you... Did, did you sense, oh, people have got to discover this elevated experience of art? <laughs> well, and you, you talk about that, that reverence that you feel when you walk in there, and I was hoping for that. I was really kind of aiming for that. I have a, a reverence for, for books in general, and one of my, my – I have a file on my computer. Every time I find a photo of one of those beautifully arch, uh, architecturally beautiful libraries that sprawl with the big sliding ladders and the winding staircases. I saved them because those are, to me, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen is that much beauty and knowledge crammed into one single space. And I, I feel like everybody's mind is sort of a uh, smaller version of that, uh, how they organize their thoughts, the way they formulate their library and how they would move around inside it. Uh, and so I wanted there to be that reverence. And you you were trying to describe the feeling, the, the visual feeling that you got when you went in there. Um, but it isn't quite ancient. It isn't quite medieval. Um, what I was aiming for was to imply age without having to, to make anything actually aged. I wanted it to have that timeless feel. Like, you, like it feels as though it has been there for a long time, and it feels as though it would be there for a long time. Um, but I didn't go to the trouble of, of, you know, rusting things on purpose, or um, mm. I tried to keep everything still crisp and clean, but I, the paper I chose has, uh, it's not overly crisp. It's not overly um, modern or, or new-looking, but I didn't make it look specifically like anything else, I just wanted to imply that time had a real uh, presence here as if it, it either passes differently or passes slower or something to that effect. Um, and and that, that, that presence of time as a presence in itself uh, is, is one, of my, one of the things I was shooting for. One of the, my, my favorite things I've, I've, I've heard done, uh, I, I wish I could remember more about it at the moment, uh, but they, they built a clock somewhere uh and they they call it a centennial clock i think but they, it was huge this thing is is uh absolutely massive uh, but they built the entire workings of this clock out of um stainless steel and actually a lot of the the workings inside the clock are made of stone uh the idea was that it was a perpetual clock um that wouldn't wear down it was a, a timepiece to last as long as they could possibly make it go. And the very idea of that was just so fascinating. And then, of course, their their execution and construction, I thought, was absolutely gorgeous. Um, so that feeling is kind of a, a big part of what I was trying to do. Hmm. Uh, beautifully, beautifully described. Oh, listeners, you have got to see this display. 
DeganFox.com, D-E-E-G-A-N, Fox, F-O-X.com. But I have to tell you that you're at a handicap listener because this is really something you have to touch. It is so three-dimensional. And, it's, you know, Deacon, it goes beyond the three dimensions of just what you see and what you can touch. It also just reaches deep inside to your brain. You can feel your brain working and puzzling and pondering and trying to decode and look for the clues. And then you feel your your gut, your heart just pounding at the excitement of will we be able to do it? Will we be able to unfold this? And 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 then you and then your hands are tactilely stimulated by the process of turning the pages and moving the cage and trying to shift the find what the combination is and listening to see whether or not you might have, just like you would listen in a lock that you're trying to, uh, to see whether you've gotten the right number as you turn the combination lock. It it, it engaged all the senses, but it went way into my 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 soul, my heart, my intellect. Uh, it was very stirring in that regard. Uh, and as well, you were thank making you. it. Yeah, wondered. and as you were making it, did you also feel this, uh, the sense of your your impugning mystery into people and the intrigue to want to solve it. But what does it feel like to say, I'm going to create mystery, and it's up to them to take the time and the effort and the intelligence to solve it? Well, it, it's it's difficult and sometimes a little disheartening because... <laughs> uh, like I said, we, we we like to know the answers to things anymore, and um, it might be I've, I'm I'm just you know kind of ruminating here on this one, but uh, it might be um, that we've gotten kind of lost on the journey, and it's all about the the destination now. We want to know the answer. We want to get to the end. We want to get where we're going um, without having enjoyed the getting there. And the getting there is is the being curious, the working at it, the trying to figure it out. Um, is is the point of this, obviously. Um, so it, it, it's a little disheartening knowing that that um, a lot of times that that it doesn't succeed. You know, of course, you can't hit everyone the same way with the same thing, uh, and it's difficult because I'm not sure if what I've what I've put together is be, being the one that built it. I, I don't have the opportunity to figure it out. So I don't know if what I've done is is too easy or too difficult or if anybody can figure it out or if they won't even think it's interesting because, it, oh, well, you just, you know, flip this and turn that. And, and so well, I'm, tried I'm, that I'm, too. I'm sorry? We tried that, too. We tried to t- flip this and turn that. That didn't work, Deacon. <laughs> well, it, you got to flip this and turn that and a few other things. <laughs> um but then, you know, on, on this particular project, I didn't want it to be too terribly easy. You know, it can't just. I, I wanted it to really be something you had to work for, because the harder you had to work for it, um, the more you appreciate having gotten there. Right. Uh, and right. Exactly. I'm sorry. Exactly. You appreciate. Yeah. The well, and then, and well, like I said, I talk about you know figuring out a riddle and. Uh, when I when I get a, a riddle right, and I've been doing them for long enough that you know I just start to notice patterns and uh, running themes, and uh, a lot of riddles work a- along the same lines of logic as others. And so once you start recognizing those, then then they get to be a lot of fun because it's not just beating your head against um, 
a poorly worded description or an excellently worded right. description, depending on how you're looking at it. Um, but you actually get to apply a really roundabout uh, form of logic uh, that I find interesting. Uh, Stephen King actually wrote in The Dark Tower. He said that uh, uh, riddling is the art of thinking around corners. Beautiful. And it, it, it's teaching people to do that that I that I really enjoy. And uh, uh, so trying to pull them into that and just figuring out a riddle for me um, – it is just such an awesome experience. I feel so happy with myself, you know. And I'm, I'm so pleased that uh, I have been posed, I have been um, puzzled. And it took, you know, even if it takes me several days, I figure it out and I feel just tickled. Well, yeah. if it takes you, you know, a year to figure out what I've done, and as long as you get there, then after all that time, you you feel accomplished. I mean, not a lot of people so far have figured it out. There's only been um, a couple uh, really? so far. It, it hasn't what, had not well, not a lot of people have had the opportunity, either, mind you. Okay. Well, now those people who have figured it out are they scientists? Are they engineers? Are they? Um, well, you know, um, it, this kind of leads me into something else. I, I thought that uh, was might be worth mentioning that I hadn't intended in this project, uh, but I. I found as a byproduct that I think is, uh, for me, having having built this, is uh, probably my favorite part of this whole experience, um, having put it together. And one of them was, of course, my brother, who was, who was kind of in, he helped me out a little bit with the planning, because it bounced ideas off of him, well, here's what you think, and here's what I think, and what about this, and oh, that's neat. And um, then I, I, I tested it against a friend or two, and uh, there was one who uh, just figured it out without my even knowing she was trying, a friend of mine, and she opened it because she dropped a bracelet inside and was trying oh to get it out. And it just, and, and she's not an engineer, she's not a scientist, she's, she's interested in, in medical technology. Um, but not not a mathematician or an engineer, uh, certainly not mechanical. And uh, so it, it's something that I feel can be understood or comprehended by really whatever your your vocation or your discipline is. It's the it's the um, the thought process behind it. And I don't want to say intelligence because that that's not accurate either. But um, Sorry, this part's a little harder for me to describe. It's that problem-solving capability, uh, mm-hmm. that thinking around corners that is a, a, a skill that people, uh, some of them just have it, you can develop it, but that, that ability to think outside the box and think around corners is uh, kind of the whole heart of, of mm-hmm. puzzles and riddles. And people who have that um they tend to look and think about things in different ways, and which which kind of brings me back to what I thought was the most fascinating part of this whole project was by putting up a hundred riddles on the wall and listening into people figuring them out. I began to notice that uh, it was almost a way to map out how people think, okay. their how their their particular brand of logic works. Because uh, somebody would ask me, well. 
what's uh, a hard riddle. And I think back to the one that I almost didn't get, that it took me for ages, and, and it was one of the hardest riddles I, I have to me, and I would pose it, and they would get it in five minutes. And oh, somebody had asked me for an easy one, and I would give them one. I There was one in particular that I included that I thought was so painfully obvious. I almost didn't include it because I thought it was too easy. But then I, I decided that it wasn't really up to me to decide what was or wasn't worthy. The fact is that it was a riddle. I'd found it, and I had enjoyed it. So it, therefore, deserved to be part of the collection. And mm-hmm. I found that these, this blindingly easy one to me was incredibly difficult to other people, to some other people, because their their logic didn't run the same way as mine. And then I posed, after uh, posing that same, to me, easy riddle to a number of people, I posed it to my brother, and he got it before he was done reading it, because it was Mm -hmm. painfully obvious. Mm -hmm. So this, this whole project has a way of showing how people think, and what they understand first and the types of riddles that they follow. And it's actually quite, it's, it's the most rewarding part of this whole project to me is, is watching how people get through the, the, uh, my display, how they, what, which parts they, they gravitate to first and which mm-hmm. ones make more sense. Once somebody answers correctly uh, two or three riddles, I can point to the next three or four now that they'll probably understand that they'll probably get faster. So it, it, it completely redefines what's an easy riddle and what's a hard riddle. But what a great illustration that, you know, we're also idiosyncratic. We're, all, we're individualistic and we can approach your artwork from whatever perspective and we have that sense of intrigue. Okay, so give us a hard riddle. Do not answer it. Listeners, you're going to have to contact me or Deegan at DeeganFox.com. Yep, there's a contact link in there that it funnels directly into my email. Perfect. Okay, so now, Deegan, give us a hard one from your point of view and an easy one. Do not answer them. Well, shoot, I wish I had a copy handy. Um, I remember a lot of them, but I don't remember all of them. Uh, Let's see here. My my favorite, one of my favorites. That's uh, probably the most difficult. Let's see if I can kind of embarrass myself trying to remember this. Here it goes. This is the hard one to me. An open-ended barrel. I am shaped like a hive. I am filled with the flesh, and the flesh is alive. Wow. And that to me is so far, I haven't really had anybody. Well, I think I've had one person guess that one. A particular young lady um, whom I met some time ago who has... um, systematically guessed just about everything in my book. So, Wow. Um, and I, I can't remember if she has solved... I don't think she's had the opportunity really to solve my cage yet, but I'm quite sure she would get there if she had the opportunity. Now, Kate, give us a um, simple riddle from your point one. of view. Um, well, simple and easy are not the same thing. Uh, well, usually okay. the, the, the simpler a riddle is, the harder it is to understand because it gives you less clues. Well, now um, that's a literary distinction, Absolutely. So let's see. Give us an easy one. There there we go. The one that you would consider easy to solve. The one that I thought was easy. I have a heck of a time remembering it. I'll do my best. I'm probably going to miss a line or two because it's actually kind of long. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Let's 
he? No, while he's re. While he's I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm formulating this in my mind. I think I got it now. Uh, or at, okay, least, okay. at least enough of it, really. Um, okay. I think. <laughs> um, let's see here. I am the center of gravity. Hold a capital situation in Vienna, and as I am foremost in every victory, am allowed by all to be invaluable. Uh, there are three who, in love w- who are in love with me, and I have three associates in vice. It is in, uh, though I am invisible, I am clearly seen in the midst of a river. It is in vain though you seek me, for I have long been in heaven, yet even now lie embalmed in the grave. What am I? I'm, I'm pretty sure I got pretty close on that one. Okay, so um, now these are included in your books, right? Yes, yes, these these, these okay. are both those are both in the book. Okay, so now this this book has riddles throughout, it has drawings throughout, beautiful, beautiful, intriguing illustrations by yourself that were etched in this copper copperish material in that book that's in the cage, and then also you have uh, design, kind of like engineering design layout, you know, kind of. Uh, um, it looks almost like it's been scratched there, but it contains so many clues to it. So these those, riddles... Those, those pages you're referring to are uh, directly out of my sketchbook while I was planning this project, while Perfect. I was designing the cage itself and how it was going to operate, because uh, I don't believe I've, I've mentioned this to the people that haven't seen it um, that are you know new listening. Um, there's it, The combination lock isn't a lock on the cage, the cage itself is the lock. The base of the cage is the the, the bars of the cage. The cylinder is the dial. The cages spin around the book, and they actually cast some very uh, beautiful shadows on the wall as it's moving, uh, being lit from the inside. And um, shoot, I forgot where I was going with that. Where was I going with that? Well, well, yeah, that that's exactly right. The cage, this cage, is this huge thing to be uh, to be moved around. And managed. Um, one, one of my engineering sons was on one side; the other one was on the other. And they were they were manipulating this cage, like, and they knew that it was a combination. Like they could tell. And I don't know exactly how oh, they. I remember now. that. Yeah. So that's it. Is a yes. So continue. So that okay. I, I remember where I'm going now. Sorry, my memory is <laughs> a little weak sometimes, but uh, I get a little <laughs> lost in my own thoughts. You keep t- saying that you want to. Um, get into my mind and and it's kind of confusing in there even for me so it doesn't always go in a straight line i suppose that probably helps with uh my being able to layer on you know bit after bit of of solution um because i can't think in a straight line in the first place um in any case those two pages you're referring to that are that are uh look very technical uh, or uh, engineering based drawings are the actual pages of my sketchbook from divine from designing the, the the object in the first place, the cage itself. Um, so as I was uh, planning this thing, this, this is my original um, schematic, I suppose, uh, in in my my sketchbook of how it was going to work, how it was going to operate, uh, how I was going to run the number system, how I was going to uh, fiddle with the solution, and uh, both design of the operation and uh, aesthetic of it, and it it's, it gives the the dimensions and and construction of the inside of the lock uh, because I I wanted to include that specifically 
not only uh, because I wanted, I, I thought that it was worth um, preserving, and I thought it was a, an interesting um, page, but because I wanted to display to people, well, this is the way the inside of my lock works, and given some time and some logic, you could figure out how to operate it, because it isn't just about knowing the combination, it's about knowing how to enter it, how, how many numbers are there, how many times do you turn it, do you, which direction, uh, and showing how the lock operates tells you how to operate it, but not how to solve it. Right. And I thought that there, you know, because there's two halves of that puzzle, how do you operate it and how do you solve it. Oh. Uh, and so I wanted to include those two pages because I, I felt like that was the best way to let you into what I was thinking and what I had done. Now, do those riddles also help people figure out how to enter and operate it, or are they there to tickle the curiosity of the literary or the, the mystery solvers or the those who like to puzzle? Well, I hate to reveal too much, but uh, oh, okay. honestly, well, the, the riddles are the point. The, the clues are hidden in the book, um, but they're not on every page. Uh, not every even, page has... I'm sorry? <laughs> it, it's, it's so much like life, Deegan. You know, it's, it's like a scientist that goes into a situation saying, okay, the goal is to find a cure for, you know, AIDS, or to find a cure for cancer, you know, or whatever. So the scientist goes and puzzles over all these things that are hidden in nature or hidden in the moment or hidden in the patient and, and puzzles over, okay, now where do we begin? Where do we go? What do we experiment with? What are we looking for? And Or a person who's puzzling over a life issue like how to earn money or how to get free of depression or, you know, how to raise a kid. I mean, it's just, it's like that life is so full of these puzzles, these mysteries. And ever so often you get really good pissy advice or or you discover something, or you make a breakthrough, but the rest of it's kind of just noise. But you never know what's noise and what's what's important and what isn't. Yeah. Or not not even just that, but just not relevant what has to that piece in it of, of uh, an idea. Yes, yes. So it it's a uh, it moves you into how flexible are you in trying to solve life's mysteries and looking at everything. That's an interesting way of looking at it. I actually hadn't thought about it that in that way before, but I, I like that. Yeah, you know, we what you discard is not relevant when you don't know what's relevant, and and uh, it's it, it you have to have a sense of humor about life. You and I walk into your display saying, "Wow," and then laughing too because I realize that you've got me. Like I don't know, I don't get it. I want to get it, and then I laugh and laugh because I'm so puzzled by it and how delightful that is. That's the way we have to approach life. We can't take everything so seriously, but definitely ahead and try to figure it out, do the best you can. So that was one of the takeaways that I had from the experience of it. Where are you going to display this next week? And people are going to want to see this. Um, at the moment, it isn't scheduled. I'm I'm looking for the next place to put it up, but it hasn't got anything running at the moment. Okay. Um, well, then we I, I will be updating the website should that change. When it changes, I will be sure to put it up on the website and say where it is going. And if right. if anybody was interested in displaying it, then well, well, certainly please please do contact me. Um, no, uh, but and, and I will update that as soon as I know more, uh, so that people can uh, venture to it, given the opportunity. Yes. 
So it's TeamFox.com, um, and, and it's called the nope. Legacy. Is that correct? The Legacy. Legacy. Yeah, it's got its own heading under the the Works tab. Wonderful. Now, this isn't your only work art, and and while it's the one that I know I, I was enjoying all the different art that you display, what what are you what's your next project going to be? Do you oh, know. Well, that that depends on how much time I have to devote to it. Oh uh, my <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the the materials yeah, I have to work with, um, I'm mm-hmm. going to be uh, having to do without a lot of my tools here for the next little while, and because uh, uh, I'm I'm moving around a little bit at the moment, uh, I'm actually going back to school uh, for mechanical engineering, oh, um, wow. because I want to to further that. So, yeah. given that I'm going to be back in college again and probably short on cash, I, I couldn't afford to rent out the whole garage. Whole, garage again uh, uh, but I, I'm, I have some ideas actually that I'm, I'm working on I want to make a, a spring powered car just for the fun of it for one thing uh, oh, oh very fun oh fun it's just just for the, the fun of having Perfect. built something in, in a different way whether it works or not just to have him just to build it and then uh, I was going to use the same uh, massive spring plan that I have um, designed in my in my mind for uh, that type of vehicle, um, and I wanted to build a music box uh, out of mm-hmm. out of wooden parts, all wooden parts, mm-hmm. but I wanted to build it the size of a room. I wanted to make my dancing couple life-size uh, that, mm-hmm. that turn around on their, in their own world, on their own dance floor with a giant spring and its own, uh, uh, you know, a, a music box. Uh, attached mm-hmm. to it, uh, full size that you could really see the inside of, that uh, you could walk into the gallery and and wind this up on your own, and um, kind of brings that that to a life size uh, sort of Im- um, immersive, more experience, I suppose. It's very interesting. It's almost like you want the artwork to be the same size as the human mm-hmm. beings that you're trying to attract. Like, uh, don't don't look down on art. Don't look up at art. You are in the midst of art, and here you have to tangle with it. I kind of like that thought. That, that's a nice <laughs> way of putting it. I like that. <laughs> well, it's very definitely the way I experienced it. I'm so hoping we're going to be able to bring you out to Los Angeles so that uh, people out here, there's such a you know, science industry out here that needs to see this engineering, you know, the STEM program from the government is all about intermixing science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, i.e. STEM, S-T-E-M. And it mm. seems like we need to put the A in there somewhere so that we can have art interplay with all, it all as well because we need to have the power of mental art, emotional art, visual art, tactile art in your case as well to stir people deeply um, along with all the other aspects of thinking and creativity. And you really do tackle that, you bring that synergism, that integration into people if they're willing to engage. So now, how would you like to leave our listeners in terms of knowing you, your art, and what what things do you want to make sure we walk away with about you, your art, about life? Well, you know, I I found that it's it's human nature, and I'd say that I found like I discovered that's not true. I, I it it's interesting to note that it, it is in it's part of human nature, I think, uh, to want 
to understand, to solve something. I mean, that's the whole point of mythology, of of stories passed down and down, and even a lot of riddles have a lot to do with this, is, you know, origins and the things that we can't explain, we come up with the best solutions we can to to um, uh, puzzle them out. Uh, even uh, medical mysteries, I mean, when you when you have something going wrong and you want to know what's causing it, you you start with an educated guess and work from there. Uh, so people want don't want to be in the dark. They want to figure things out okay. uh, and and write a history or write an explanation for it. That's where all the, the creation myths come from. From uh, every walk of life in history, they've all come up with these things. And it, so it's part of our nature to not want to be fooled, to not want to be deceived, to not want to be left out. And having built this thing that, that I specifically want, intend everybody to figure out, to fall into, to um, remember, and even outside of my project, riddles in general, I, I find riddles fascinating and nobody knows any anymore. And that's just mm-hmm. that's a sad thing to me. They used to be uh, a very strong form of entertainment that people were quite proud of uh, to partake in. And we've gotten to where... We just don't try as much. Mm-hmm. So if we don't understand it right away, we kind of walk past it. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, look at the art. I see the art, and and we'll move on. And I, I admit that I'm guilty of this myself a lot uh, as well. But I really want people to be engaged. I want that's why I wanted to make them curious because I wanted to play on that need to figure things out and try to push them just a little bit further into. Mm-hmm. Um, making that really solid attempt because I still believe and I I thought this when I built it and I still believe it now that any of the mysteries that I've put together given time anybody can figure out I did not make Mm -hmm. it impossible I didn't hide anything to where no one would find it given a little bit of time I think um, I I think most people could get there and Mm -hmm. I just want them to put forth that effort to to try and, and be rewarded in with that that inner glow of figuring something out, uh, which mm-hmm. for me is usually you know uh, <laughs> in the restroom is when I usually figure things out when you're thinking. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just charge out and go, I got it, and, and that's when I figure out most most riddles that I haven't gotten yet. I find it's 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 common to figure things out there. It works very well, but or in um, dreams. I'm sorry, or in dreams. I, I, you know, m- numerous times professionals, authors, writers, scientists have woken up saying, I have the solution because they took a nap and dreamed or they slept overnight and they dreamed the solution. Like mm-hmm. our mind is always ready and eager to process. If we well, and, and just to keep it, it, it to, to keep it um, formulating and keep the gears turning even in the background, um, uh, I just watched Men in Black 3 not long ago and, and – I, I quote um, uh, pop culture and literature a lot because it helps me get my mind around the things I'm trying to say. Um, but there's a scene in there where they're they're trying to figure out what to do next and they don't know, and one says, well, let's go have pie. And this just sounds perfect. so counterintuitive to the other one. Well, that just seems silly. Yes, let's just ignore the problem. But when you stop thinking about it directly, the solution just kind of falls on you. you it, yes. it comes to you. Uh, with the gears working in the back of your head because you're yeah. now applying 
every thinking about everything that you're thinking about and talking about and just having a conversation over and pondering on. But whether you realize it or not, a lot of times it's going through that filter of what information is going to fit into this nice little hole that I've yeah. got that I haven't filled yet. What, yeah. What's the, my missing piece? And it just sort of appears there when you're not really looking for it. But you have to be engaged enough in in figuring out that question that uh, that that filter is running in the background. Beautiful, beautifully said. If that makes so, sense, now, does that make sense to yeah, you? It made sense in my mind. I'm, oh yes, it absolutely did. And you know, it, you also mentioned when we met you in Montana, in Great Falls, Montana, that. There was also reference to gaming, uh, certain gaming, and you even asked, you know, do you guys play this, do you guys play that, and that you made reference to pop culture. You know, honestly, the generation that's playing games, which is now many generations, um, uh, the gaming also has that satisfaction. You're going through something, and then you find a resolution, a solution to it. But it's so much fast-paced, and it's kind of easy almost to solve a lot of the difficulties, but what was your what was what was your way of trying to reach into that aspect of our culture and generations that game and your artwork? You remember making um, that reference? Yeah, I know the reference you're talking about. I'm just not sure I understand your question. Well, uh, how did I? That in addition to everything else, you also reached into the video gaming world and said, "Okay, I have something for you too." <laughs> well. Um, it wasn't that I, I purposely reached into games um, to um, attempt to use that as a facet or a, as uh, inspiration or assistance. What happened there was that specific game I was referring to is a game called Myst, uh, spelled M-Y-S-T, and it came out actually some time ago. And there have been a number of, of uh, sequels and follow-up games, uh, all of which are, are quite fascinating to me, but they're these games are built on the idea that they don't give you explanation. There's a storyline, but it's almost secondary to figuring out what's going on in the first place. It really reveals a little bit of the story as you go. And instead of having – I've played games where there's a story and there's a puzzle. And as you play through the story, you get bits and bits of the puzzle. But in, in these games, uh, as you figure out bits and bits of the puzzle, you get more and more of the story. The puzzle mm-hmm. is more important. It, it, it And – Simply by playing through the story, you don't get moved through the puzzle. You have to figure it out, or you can't move on. You can spend months playing these games before you can ever get to the end. And uh, they were such a source of enjoyment for me. It's part of where a lot of my fascination with uh, puzzles comes from. And I kind of uh, I love Myst so much, and they have a certain feel to them of, of reverence and... Um, uh, lastingness to them, I suppose, uh, to the to the worlds they create, rather not the games themselves, but the worlds that they show you. Um, that I, I kind of wanted to follow with that, and that was actually one of my strongest sources for inspiration were those games. Uh, I liked the feeling that they put forth. I liked the the mood that they carried with them, and the importance they placed on. Uh, thinking around that corner in order to get to the next step. It wasn't handed to you. It was never handed to you. It's there somewhere. You have to find it. Yeah. And that's why I mentioned that game and asked if you would play it because it's, it was such a strong part in, uh, part of the uh, 
love I have for uh, doing such things. I, I'm, I guess they call them adventure games sometimes, but I haven't found uh, any other games. I found some that were fun and some that kind of do the same thing where the story is, or the, the, the riddle is more important than the story. But none of them have quite, to me, compared to uh, the Myst series because I, I started playing those uh, basically when it came out because my oldest brother is a, he eventually became a computer engineer. He's a computer engineer now, but he'd always been interested in that sort of thing. And being a computer person, he found this game first. And then um, I watched him playing it, and you know, I got into it. And then as, as he finished one, he passed it to me. And anymore now, we'll, uh, a couple of times now, we've played, played them at the same time to see who can get to the end first. Oh, interesting. Um, so and then we'll get stuck in different places. I'll get stuck on, on something for weeks Absolute weeks, I can't make any progress, and it turns out it's something as simple as I didn't kick a rock or something that equally uh, silly um, uh, that you just you get so put, pressed far behind. Uh, well, you, you start, start thinking too hard, I've noticed, is a lot of people's trouble. They think the solution is just too complex, while <laughs> the simple solution is just staring them in the face, and that's... There are a couple of riddles that I included in the book that do just that, that are just glaring you in the face, just waving at you with the answer, but you don't really see it because you, you don't expect that that's where they're going. They're, they're, they're hmm. being unexpected that way. Boy, that is just like life. You know, sometimes uh, like people will come into my office because I'm a psychologist, they'll come into my office with, what feels to them like an overwhelming, foreboding situation because it does feel so weighty and painful. And lying somewhere not too far beneath the, the description of what they're going through is a solution that they, they can easily discover, put into place, and walk away free from that complication. It doesn't happen that way all the time, just like all aspects of life. But the, the, science, the, the engineers had the, the KISS, KISS, keep it super simple, if you can keep it simple, keep it simple if you're going to try to solve something. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, well, the, 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 component. It's called Occam's Razor most of the time. Uh, okay. The simplest solution is usually the most accurate, or as uh, Dr. House always put it, look for horses, not zebras. <laughs> well, no, if no, you hear no, a book, never... uh, think horses, no. not zebras. Sorry, I got that wrong. <laughs> do it again, do it again. I'm sorry? Say, say that again. Uh, it, it, because you know, Doctor House is the the. That's what he does. Is he, he's a parallel to uh, Sherlock Holmes. The puzzle is the right. point. The question is the point. And uh, given a lot of diagnostics, uh, if they have a certain set of symptoms, you know, think simple. It's not this crazy disease that's only found in Africa on three days of the year. It's probably the flu. Um, yes. You apply it to the the most common or obvious solution first. Uh, when you hear ho hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. Chances of finding a zebra in Montana are not nearly as high. I think you have one in the zoo there, but we won't go into that. Okay. <laughs> you know, I thank you so much for taking the time to not only create your art, but share, share yourself with us in this. And I'm looking forward to our listeners being able to view this on video, our viewers, <laughs> who will be able to see this on video, but also the audience will be able to come and actually toy with your 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 process, your riddles, your cage, 
and, and, and I would love out. that. I want most people to see it as possible, and it's not really uh, about you know uh, trying to sell it or trying to make the money. But I do uh, greatly want it to not be in my hands. I don't want it. Uh, that defeats the whole point of my having built it. If I hold on to it, that defeats the whole purpose. Uh, yes. So I want this this to be out there where people can see it or people can find it, or it'll be. Uh, saved and preserved, and, and um, that it, it will have it, its its place in the world, and it, it hasn't got that right now. Its mortality, and it, immortality, and its legacy. Pretty much, and yes. if, if I hold on to it, it 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 really defeats the entire idea of what I'm working with um, for me to hold on to it myself. Because I've I've I built it. I've gotten out of it what I know there is to get out of it, and I want other people to have that opportunity. I, I, I don't want to keep it to myself. I, I, it needs to be shared. That's that's the idea. Understandably. Egan, tell us how we can contact you because our listeners are going to want to reach out. What's all your contact information? Well, um, the easiest way I would think to contact me is through that website, uh, deganfox.com. I, I own my own, I managed to sneak into my own um, uh, domain name. And actually on Google, if you just Google Deegan Fox, um, I, I am actually one of, if not the only, Deegan Fox on the Internet right now. So right. My, mm-hmm. uh, my information pops up first, you know, my Facebook account, my website, um, that sort of thing. The website is probably the best way to get a hold of me. There's a contact uh, button uh, tab uh, on that website that funnels directly into my email, uh, which is uh, degan.fox at gmail. Uh, and I'm, I will always welcome people asking me questions. If uh, uh, There are a couple of the pages out of my book on the website that you can look at. And if, if somebody wanted to guess a riddle or even guess at the cage, if, if they've had a chance to view it or want to venture a guess without viewing it, if they're that confident, I would be more than happy to um, let them know if they're if they're getting closer or whatnot. Um, I, I would love to be contacted. I, I, I want to share this in, in any way I can. Uh, the website is a great way to do that, and it's D-E-E-G-A-N, uh, not E-A, D-E-E-G-A-N, DeganFox.com. And, uh, and that's, that's the absolute best way to catch me. And, of course, it's on my website. We'll have it on a press release. And in addition, Deegan really enjoyed your photos of your artwork on your Facebook. So be sure to look up Deegan Fox, D-E-E-G-A-N as a Nancy, F-O-X. And thank you so much, Deegan, for your time. Uh, wonderful. Thanks for enlightening my world and making it much more intriguing. And um, let's move you forward so you can make a lot of other people's lives intriguing as well. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining Dr. Carol Francis on Make Life Happen. Thanks for, for having me on. I really enjoyed having the conversation.